0: Good morning, Maranatha. It is time for Sunday Morning Alive right here on our website. Almost, almost Christmas Day. We are racing still toward Christmas Day. And as we approach this holy day for Christians, this holiday for the rest of the world, yes, we celebrate part of that holiday, and I appreciate the food. I appreciate the gifts that are given and received. I appreciate the, the season. Uh, Oh, that there could be uh, a lasting peace and a, a perpetual joy that isn't interrupted by all of the chaos and crisis and all of the things that living in a fallen world that is under the curse that sin has brought upon it. But I'm going to tell you right now, if you're a Christian, you're not under the curse. Hallelujah. The curse has been broken and the blessing of the Lord is available to you and me. And the greatest blessing of all is that Jesus came into our fallen world. He took on one of our faulty bodies and he paid our sin debt on the cross and I'm so glad to be a Christian today I'm so glad to know the reason for the season I'm so glad amen uh, to to have some time left if Jesus tarries I've got some time left even uh, approaching 75 years old next month I've I, what every day is a blessing every day is a bonus and I've got some time left and I want to invest it while wisely. None of us know the moment that we may be called from this world, and uh, so I appreciate our webmaster, Brother Doug, putting on our website a comment about time. It's so important to use our time wisely, to invest in our families, uh, not not just forget the important things in life, because you can't turn back the clock and we can't stop the sands of time from running. That's another sermon, Uh, but, but uh, it's a good sermon and I appreciate, uh, being, being reminded of that. I am certainly investing in my family as small as it is, uh, because we never know. Uh, when that family member is not going to be with us. And those of you that has lost a family member, I just want you to know that being a Christian today and knowing that when time ends here and we enter into eternity with Christ, amen, and time is no more, for eternity doesn't count time. Amen. We're going to be together forever. Ever age without end. I love that Dottie Rambo song that says tears will never stain the streets of that city, and there'll be no wreaths of death on my mansion door. Praise God. We got something to look forward to. We got someone, a lot of people. Most of my family uh, is with the Lord. Grandpa's grandmas, aunts, uncles, my one of my my Son and an infant daughter is with the Lord. When I get home, we're going to have a we're going to have a big family get together. I was able to lead my grandpa to Christ. I was able to lead my grandmother on my mother's side to Christ. Hallelujah! I was able to sow the seeds that brought my own son to the saving knowledge. Of Jesus Christ. Hallelujah. Oh friend. I'm looking forward to Jesus coming again. He's already come. In the first advent. But there's a second advent. The second coming of Christ. And between the first advent and the second. There's the secret coming of Jesus called the rapture hallelujah praise God that no man knoweth not even the angels but my father only Jesus said so that could happen before this broadcast is over and then Jesus is going to come to rule and to reign forever Praise God. But listen, today as we approach Christmas, I want to bring you a message that's not just a Christmas message, but it's an appropriate time to bring it uh, because our thoughts are on God's great gift to us. And I want to talk to you today about the only gift that is worthy for a king. You see, at Christmas, we usually think of God's gifts to us. And this morning, I want to Focus on our gift to Him. God has already given His best gift to us. And we should, in response, give our best gift to Him. In the song, Little Drummer Boy, there is a lyric, I'll play my best for Him and then it says then he smiled at me you know there's a blessing the aaron aaron was told to speak unto israel on god's behalf and 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 it is a blessing that talks about god turning his face toward them and when this little song, this simplistic little Sunday school type song, but yet so beautiful, I'll play my best. I'm a poor boy too, but I will I can, all I can give you is my, my, my beating of my drum, but I will play my best for him. And then the response is then he smiled at me, a rumpa pump bu a missionary from trinidad while here in america he was uh, he was a national from trinidad and while he was here in america he called and asked to speak for us i told him i said well sir let me just tell you up front that we are a small congregation but he was welcome he replied it does not matter i just want to put my best foot forward for Jesus, Hallelujah! Listen in the New Testament when a widow was came and gave uh, to the to, at the at the giving at the temple. She gave something roughly, for we could understand it, two pence or two pennies. It wasn't much, but it was her best offering. And Jesus said of her, "This woman has given more than anyone today, for out of her penury." or her own needs, she has given her all. You see, our best, dear friend, large or small, is going to be blessed. (laughs) Hallelujah. Because with God, it's not how much, large or small, it's are we giving our best. In the old covenant, David said, what shall I render to God? What shall I render to God for all of His benefits unto me? And He answers that question He asked in Psalm 103. <laughs> Bless the Lord, O oh, my soul, here it is, and all that is within me. He gave a gift of praise unto God when He danced before the Ark of the Covenant with all of his might. Hallelujah. It must have been something to see cuz he sure embarrassed his wife. <laughs> she told him you in in essence you, you you're a king and that was such an undignified thing you just did. And David said, "I'm going to get even more undignified than this." Amen. And by the way, because she criticized him for For enthusiastically and without reserve, dancing before the Lord, throwing protocol aside, forgetting about dignity and wanting to please God with everything that he had, she was stricken with barrenness and not able to have any children. This was her chastisement, for that kind of attitude. God blesses our best. Hallelujah. Even when it's not presented in all the pomp and ceremony, but it's coming from the heart, God blesses it. Praise God. So I'm going to talk to you today about this great issue, about what kind of gift, what kind of gift, well, really the only gift, that is worthy for our great King. Hallelujah. If you've got your Bible, read with me from Malachi 1, 6 through 6-14. Listen to it. It says, As a son honors his father and a servant his master, if I'm a father, where is the honor due me? If I'm a master, where's the respect due me? says the Lord Almighty. It's you, O priest, who show contempt for my name. But you ask, how have we shown contempt for your name? You place defiled food on my altar. But you ask, how have we defiled you? By saying that the Lord's table is contemptible. When you bring blind animals for sacrifice, is that not wrong you see, they bring in a sacrifice of something they couldn't make profit on anyway. They couldn't sell for a profit anyway. It's, it's giving God literally our leftovers. <laughs> it's certainly not honoring Him. There's only one way to honor Him according to the scripture. Honor Him with the first fruits, not the leftovers, the first fruits of all of thine increase. And then of course His favor is granted to us because it said, then thy barns shall be filled with fatness. Praise God. God's going to bless us for doing our best and giving our best. And I want you to get the the dollar sign out of the way. It's important, but but this is about honoring God. How we how we view him, how we respond to his love and his gift of his son to us in the new covenant. Listen. Verse 9, it say, oh wait, wait. Let's go back and pick up verse 11. By saying the Lord's table is contemptible, when you bring blind animals for sacrifice, is that not wrong? When you sacrifice crippled or diseased animals, is that not wrong? Try offering them to your governor. Would he be pleased with you? Would he accept you? Says the Lord Almighty. Now, implore God to be gracious to us. With such offerings from your hands, will He accept you, says the Lord Almighty? Oh, verse 10 says, that one of you would shut the temple doors, so that you would not light useless fires on my altar. In other words, if you're not going to give your best, all of this religious activity is all in vain. Listen to what God is saying. Just shut the door. Don't, don't play church anymore. You're, you're dealing with, with the Lord Almighty. Uh, you, you might get by with shortchanging your boss, your governor, your president, but you can't do that with me. You can't even do that with them, he's telling them. Listen. Oh, that one of you would shut the temple doors so that you would not light useless fires on my altar. Oh, I know someone sitting in this audience saying, wait a minute, I, I want to hear some simple little sermon about Christmas. This is a sermon about Christmas. This is about gifts that have been given us and the appropriate gift to give in Return. It's about how 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 reverent we are to our God and how 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 thankful we are to our Lord Jesus Christ for His gift of His own life and His suffering and death on the cross for us. Listen to what God says for them in the Old Covenant. It says, "When you bring injured." Crippled or diseased animals and offer them as sacrifices, should I accept them from your hands, saith the Lord. Verse 14, Cursed is the cheat who has an acceptable male in his flock and vows to give it, but then sacrifices a blemished animal to the Lord, for I am a great king. You see, the only gift worthy for our great king is our best. Large or small isn't the issue. The issue is, are we giving our best for God? If we are, (laughs) just like the little drummer boy song, I played my best for him and he turned his face toward me. Amen. Listen to this. This is important today. For I am a great king, says the Lord Almighty, and my name is to be feared among the nations. A little story is very humorous, but true. After listening restlessly to a long and tedious sermon, a six-year-old boy asked his father what the preacher did the rest of the week. Oh, he's a very busy man, the father replied. He takes care of church business, visits the sick, works on his sermon, counsels people, and then he has to rest up because speaking in public isn't an easy job. The boy thought for a moment and said, well, listening ain't easy either. (laughs) Amen. Friend of mine, when God speaks words of correction to us, listening ain't easy. In fact, some people don't want to hear that that we need to hear to make the right adjustments in our life to have God's blessing upon our life. Listen, it's curse or blessing. Hey Amen. I, I, he puts two ways before us: blessing or cursing. I want to choose blessing. I don't know about you. I don't want to, nobody to soft soap it. I don't want them to to preach considering whether I give or don't or my feelings or whether I come back to church. I want to hear the truth. I want to hear the truth. And if I need to make an adjustment in order to please God and be blessed by God, amen, I want to make that adjustment. I hope you have the same attitude today. Amen. I need God's blessing on my life. I must have God's favor upon my life. I'll say this, it's a lot easier to listen to a message of blessing than a message of rebuke or reproof. But many times, in order to be truly blessed of God, we must receive His rebuke. What does it say about Scripture anyway? All Scripture in the New Covenant, it says, is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for rebuke and reproof and correction, and instruction in righteousness, or literally, how to be truly right with God. Hallelujah. Listen, remember this as we read the first anointed words from God to Israel in the book of Malachi. Chapter 1 and verse 2, I have loved you. That doesn't mean he used to love them. It means that in their past history God has shown forth his love and still loves them and desires to restore his favor and his blessings let remind you today of that situation in Malachi and what it's addressing the Jews have returned to their land after living in modern-day Iraq Babylon for 70 years The temple has been rebuilt, and the worship of God has been reestablished. But things are not easy. While outwardly everything seems okay on the inside, a cancer of complacency is eating away at their commitment. Does that sound familiar today? As God's final spokesman at the end of the Old Testament, Malachi comes on the scene to challenge them and us today to give God nothing less than our best, so that we can be wonderfully, bountifully blessed. Amen. As we're listening to this this dialogue between God and His people, we see that of all the things God wants us to know, the most important is He loves us. He loves us with a tender and affectionate and unconditional love. Just as people over over 2,000 years ago wondered if God really loved them, so we too sometimes ask the same question. Malachi starts with love and then talks about the status of their lives. Actually, because they didn't respond to God's love, things started to deteriorate. Their worship became wimpy. Their leaders became lightweights. Their relationships ruptured. Their offerings were anemic. And they stopped serving God acceptably. To help us understand our passage today, think of the beginning and the end of Malachi's two bookends. At the one end is the beautiful statement found in verse 2. I have loved you. At the other end, we find a promise in verse 2 of chapter 4. And let me read it to you. But for you who revere my name, you see, it's all about honor. It's all about reverencing him. It's all about our view of him. But for you who revere my name the son of righteousness will rise with healing in its wings and you will go out and leap like calves released from the stall <laughs> hallelujah listen friend of mine i'm i'm not i'm not going to use this scripture as a as a proof text for for Pentecostal shouting. But, but, but he is talking about a calf that through the winter has had to stay in the stall and, and not go out into the fields. And when they are turned loose, all of that pent up energy and joy of being free to roam and to run, they go out and leap like calves released from the stall. Praise God. Friend of mine, I want you to know when God blesses us with his blessing, we're going to be like calves released from the stall. Amen. We're not just going to be sitting idle uh, and, and sitting without that sense of God's favor and God's blessing. Hallelujah. You see, the prophet of Malachi, the prophecy of Malachi begins with God's love in the present and ends with God's promise in the future. And everything in between is God's program to get us from here to there. You want to get into God's program to get from wherever we are today to where God can keep this promise to us. Hallelujah. Let's look into God's word. Respond to his rebuke when it touches us and get ready for his great Blessing upon our life. Amen. Let's look at verse 6 and let's pursue number one, authentic faith. Let's just get real with God. What do you say this Christmas season so that God can be real to us in terms of His blessing? Listen to verse 6 and begin reading 6 and 7. It says, as a son, a son honors his father, a servant, his master, If I'm a father, where is the honor due me? I told you earlier, don't just see a dollar sign of Malachi 3, given it shall be. Uh, I'll open the windows of heaven if you will do the. Think about this first in terms of what God is putting first. It starts with where we hold him in terms of reverence and honor. If I am a father, where's the honor due me, he says. If I'm a master, where's the respect due me, says the Lord Almighty. It is you, O priest, who show contempt for my name. And then they, they ask the question how, he said, you place defiled food on my altar. And he talks about bringing. These diseased and these crippled and these blinded animals to offer that that cost nothing for the person bringing it and the priest accepting that. I, I Listen, I don't want a preacher to, to not challenge me on Sunday and allow me to slip into that kind of irreverence, irresponsibility, and complacency. I want to be challenged because I want to be changed. Hallelujah. And I need the blessing. I don't know about you. People are praying all over the world for God's blessing because we need it desperately because man's systems are failing us. We cannot lean on the arm of flesh for all that we are facing. The arm of flesh was destined to fail, and it is now failing us. Ah, but the Spirit of God is mighty to save and mighty to heal and mighty to deliver and mighty to, to restore and mighty to bless today. Praise God. Listen, listen. What we see right away in verse 6 of chapter 1 is that there are two sides of the Father's love. One is tender and the other is tough. He is relational in His giving and He's resplendent in His glory, someone said. And as such, we must honor Him. We should honor Him. A son honors his father and a servant his master. That's logic, isn't it? If I'm a father... Where's the honor due me? If I'm a master, where's the respect due me? the New Testament counterpart of that, Jesus says, why callest thou me Lord, Lord? And you don't do what I say. Amen. John Piper argues this way, and I like what he said. He said, we must hold these truths in tension. This, This goodness and severity of God, you see. We should have a childlike security in his care for us, and we should have a childlike reverence for his authority. God refers to himself, you see, as the father of Israel in Exodus four twenty-two. This is what the Lord says, Israel is my firstborn son. And in Exodus 20 and verse 12, he tells us to honor your father and your mother. To honor someone is to consider them weighty, or, or in the Hebrew heavy, it's our weighty or lofty view of God that is so important. While the priest probably celebrated this statement because they wanted their own children to honor them, God is saying that his people, including the priest, no longer consider him to be lofty or weighty. Someone said it this way. The heathen is true to the false God. The hypocrite is false to the true God. Oh, friend of mine, Christians, if you're a Christian today, God is saying, if I'm a father, where's my honor? And then he says to honor him with the first fruits of all of our increase. And again, before the dollar sign comes in here, (laughs) and usually people have heard the third chapter of Malachi about tithing. And that's an important thing, but it's more important of how, how we esteem God in our heart and in our life. The rest will find its proper place when we put God first. We put the king first. When you put the king first, you put the kingdom first. And the New Testament teaches us that if the kingdom is first, everything else we need is going to be given us. But above all, we need God's favor and God's blessing amen. God deserves to be honored because he's holy. Should have noticed the phrase Lord Almighty in these scriptures. Lord is the name Yahweh, and it was too holy to be spoken by human lips. In fact, it was so revered it was only pronounced once a year on the day of atonement, and then only by the high priest in the most holy place of the temple. If the name needed to be written, the scribes would take a bath before writing it and then destroy the pen afterwards. While Yahweh is difficult to define, this name refers to the fact that God is who he is. He is the one who causes everything else. He is unchanging, the one who inhabits eternity. And the title Almighty is the word host which means a great number of armies. The Lord Almighty has all the host of heaven ready to do his work. He has infinite authority in the universe. He has, he has myriads of unstoppable angelic armies who do his bidding and never fail in their errands. Seven times. In 9 verses and 23 times in the book of Malachi, God calls himself the Lord Almighty. Verse 6, if I'm a master, where's the respect due me, says the Lord Almighty. Verse 8, would he accept you, says the Lord Almighty. Verse 9, will he accept you, says the Lord Almighty. Verse 10, I'm not pleased with you, says the Lord Almighty. Verse 11, my name will be great among the nations, says the Lord Almighty. 13, verse 13, you sniff at it contemptuously, says the Lord Almighty, for I'm a great king, verse 14, says the Lord Almighty. Oh, friend, the priests were showing contempt for God which means they no longer thought of him as high and lifted up. Oh, friend, they were despising their duties and scorning the sacred because worship had become wearisome and they were taking God for granted. And they had the nerve to lash out at the Lord of hosts. Look at the last part of verse 6. How have we shown contempt for your name? Whenever you ask God how, he'll tell you. In verse 7, he answers, You place defiled food on my altar. Unbelievably, the priests persist in their questioning, How have we defiled you? God replies by saying, The Lord's table is contemptible." They didn't say it with their mouth. They said it with their actions. They were just going through the motions, like we sometimes do when we allow the extraordinary to become ordinary. In fact, Intimate familiarity with the holy can sometimes lead to a humdrum spirituality. If we're not careful, someone has said, when a man is bored with God, even heaven does not have a better alternative. If God bores you, then nothing else is ever going to satisfy you either. After all of these years, 46 and counting, of Pastoral ministry, I can say without reservation that people who are bored in church will go to the world looking for the fulfillment that is only found in Jesus Christ. One minister was quoted as saying, I looked forward to conventions and retreats. They allowed me to get away from my duties and carnal out. Can you imagine? We all need a break now and then. God doesn't want anyone to burn out. But God's house should be a joy, and serving Him should be a joy instead of a job. His worship, His Word, His presence, and yes, even His people should be our desire. If we want to give God our best, we must first embrace authenticity. I want to be the real deal, (laughs) like Holyfield the boxer. When they introduced him, because he was winning so many boxing matches, they called him the real deal, Holyfield. (laughs) Hallelujah. I want to be an authentic Christian. I don't want to be a phony. We must stop just going through the motions, refuse to play church, and do whatever it takes to keep the fire of the first love burning in our heart. Listen, when we try to live on what Chuck Swindoll calls $3 worth of God, he writes this. I like what he said here. Some of us would love to buy $3 worth of God, not enough to explode my soul or disturb my sleep, but just enough to equal a cup of warm milk or a snooze in the sunshine. I want ecstasy not transformation i want the warmth of the womb not the new birth i want a pound of the eternal in a paper sack i just want 3 dollars worth of god please god never friend accepts phony devotion he wants us hotter cold never lukewarm he wants the ardent first love or lose the lamp stand Remember, Malachi is not about just giving of our substance to God. It's about giving ourself to God. It's about how we value him in our heart. It's not just about money. It's about honor. It's about devotion. Friend of mine, in the New Testament, it says, I beseech you, brethren, therefore, by the mercies of God, That you offer your body a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable unto the Lord, which is your reasonable service. (laughs) And be no more conformed to this world, but be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind, that you might prove or exemplify what is that good and perfect and acceptable will of God. God when we give our very best our all it will always be enough for God to bless us for praise God oh friend of mine today this christmas what what shall i render unto god i want to give myself away more to him and when I give myself away to him all that I have is at his disposal (laughs) hallelujah amen and he says then put me to the test do this in such a way and that your actions follow your attitude (laughs) amen (laughs) and see if I won't open the windows of heaven Pour you out a blessing that there shall not be room enough for you to contain it. And, and and this is his favor. Listen. And I will rebuke the devourer for your sake. We need a rebuke to that that comes to touch and take away and defraud us out of our blessing. And not just rebuke the devil, but we need to receive a rebuke to our flesh when we let it control us and let it lead us away from the deep reverence and deep devotion that God thoroughly and absolutely deserves. I want to give Jesus a gift this Christmas in response to the gift of himself for me. I want to give God a gift this Christmas in response for Him giving His Son His best for me. What is the gift for our great King? Amen. It is my best. It is myself. It is my all on His altar. A living sacrifice. Holy and acceptable. Hallelujah. Oh, friend, I pray you'll join me in this this offering to God this Christmas season. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me. Bless His holy name. Hallelujah. You listen, friend, if you don't know Jesus, you know what the greatest gift you could give God? Amen. Do you know what the greatest gift you could give God if you don't know Him? The greatest gift you could give Him to please Him and bless Him is to receive his gift that he is offering you and receive Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. Repent of your sin, ask his forgiveness and receive his Son as your Savior and your Lord and your Master. Change masters and it will bless the Lord. It will bless the Lord. The Bible said, for the joy that was set before him, Jesus endured the cross, despising the shame. What what was the joy? What did he see beyond the suffering that made all of that suffering worth it? He saw you and your need. He saw me and my need. He knew that if he paid the sin debt and we would receive... Him as our Savior, repenting of our sin, that we would be His reward for His life taken in our behalf on the cross. And for the joy of that. You know, the Bible said there's joy in the presence of angels over one sinner that repents. Joy in their presence. Christ rejoices. God rejoices. The Holy Spirit rejoices. So give God yourself. He deserves nothing less than our all on an altar. And He will bless you with forgiveness and peace and joy in heaven forever. (laughs) Oh, let's love Him back for loving us this Christmas season. Amen.